0: It's Lager Time. Yay! Lager Time. Point stories and thoughts. By me, Paul Cree. Who else? Greetings, bonjour, what's happening? Welcome to Lager Time. For the second week running, I'm putting this out on a Saturday, which is today, for me. There was some real lager time last night, been a while, enjoyed seeing the boys. Been a busy week this week, been all over London doing workshops, not had a great deal of time to put this together. Can't complain though, it's been good mate. I've been trying to write this second part to the 405 story in between jobs and on trains. So it's probably a bit scrappy, but a lot of the stuff I'm putting up here are in differing states of development. That's the idea I guess. It's odd though, I suddenly feel a bit of an obligation to put it up. Though I think that's merely down to my own idiosyncrasies wanting to keep this up than any particular demand. Because as far as I know, it doesn't exist. I'm enjoying doing these stories though and I think I'm going to run with them for a bit. I've got a list of ideas I want to write about. I'm also enjoying introducing little bits of sound design. I mean, it entails me going onto free sound and downloading bits and bobs, nothing out of this world. But it's a direction I've wanted to go down for some time. Large up everyone who read, listened, and downloaded the first part of the 405 story last week. I was listening back and realised the bit where I stopped the story was where the Mo character encountered some casual racism from the driver, which unfortunately was not that uncommon back then. Only reason that I stopped it there, is because that's where I stopped writing it, as that's where I ran out of time. That was it. Listening back, it reminded me a bit of those American sitcoms that I used to like watching as a kid, like The Fresh Prince, where every now and again, they do a serious episode, rolling the credits at the end with no music, really driving home the poignant on-the-nose moment and the moral message. That's the last thing I'd ever intend to do with any of this stuff. That kind of moralising is not my cup of tea, at all. And if I'm being honest, it puts me off from going to a lot of spoken word events. Back when I was more active, there was loads of it. However, the thing with the driver did happen, and happened all too often, along with the likes of me who sat there silent and did nothing. Though I did once almost get my head kicked in in London Bridge McDonald's trying to stick up for someone for similar reasons, but that's for another time. I think that says enough. Roll credits. No music. Boom. It's coming up to almost a year since I started Lager Time. I think I'm only just starting to find my feet with it. I must say, I do enjoy it, and I enjoy the freedom of it. There seems to be a small number of you who are engaging with it, and it's slowly growing, so thank you. It means a lot. Either this week or next, I'm going to do another not quite live edition again. I enjoyed that one last time, even if no one else did. Not quite sure where this is all going. Had a thought at some point in the future I could put on a night. I don't know. I'm a performer. I like performing. But at the moment, there ain't a lot of that. And I'm enjoying doing my own thing. So the Lager March continues. Enjoy part two of the story. Hopefully i have something new for next week. Blimey. Pressures on. Have a banging rest of the weekend, Paul. Satellite Stories, Volume 3, The 405, Part 2, 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 Bosh, after the long, arduous and perilous journey across the towns and villages of Surrey, we finally arrived into Kingston, and just like that, we all became energised again, and all the banter and bravado we left Crawley with was back. Boom. It's like we were reconnected, spiritually realigned to our purpose again, even though I doubt any of us quite knew what that was. New life was breathed into the firm, like those occasions when I bothered to reconnect the long-since-fallen, algae-ridden filter system in the fish tank at home. Everything was fresh and gold, like my fish. We were in a whole new town, with new opportunities, but more importantly, about to enter the utopian, dystopian world of Laser Quest. Of course, this meant we had to be on our guard a bit, instinctively shoulders arched back, And as we bowled through the bus station into the town centre, I made sure I dropped a couple of swear words extra loud like WANKER Letting the locals know we had a bit about us. Kingston was an upgrade on Crawley and definitely Hawley. It was similar, but everything just seemed a lot more like NICER The neat paving bricks in the pedestrianised high street, the river, the oldy weldy buildings, even the windows looked cleaner. The girls prettier, the us somehow more flash. Sadly, I felt like we were tatty in comparison. Despite the royal status, there was only one jewel in Kingston's crown. Croydon had the water palace, Guildford had the ice rink, and Kingston, the laser quest. Despite all the flashiness of some of the locals, Crawley was not yet swinging in the big boys league. With these lot, Though there were rumours at the time that a Virgin Megastore was opening in the county mall. We never arranged to meet the splinter group, we just assumed they'd be at the laser quest when we got there and vice versa. We had to ask a couple of people to find it. This was a moment when Larry pricks like Granger actually came of use. He didn't care who he talked to, everything was amusing to him. We'd all seen that episode of Biker Grove where they went to Queerza Leerza and it looked sick, all dark with neon lights, metal grids, bunkers, netting and dry ice. I hadn't been this excited since Street Fighter the movie came out. We finally reached our destination, this sort of nondescript 60s grey building with a corrugated roof looking like a glorified second hand tyre shop. But the all important laser quest sign on the outside of the building was using a sick lightning light font in electric red and i was reassured about the techno dystopia futuristic utopia dystopia i was about to enter the splinter group was sat in reception all stood up except for vj who was sat down looking miserable they stunk of fags smoking rich explained they'd had to jump a wall at kingston station to avoid the ticket office and vj had done something to his ankle in the process i knew vj should have been with us A mid-40s woman with curly dyed red hair and glasses wearing a black polo top showing some faded tattoos on her arm was behind the counter with a monitor above her head showing some scores in mad futuristic writing like the bowling alley but like way sicker. Some cheesy Euro trance was playing in the background. It wasn't Speed Garage but this place was already pissing on the AMF. Where the fuck have you boys been? We've been here for proper time. Bus was fucking long man. Fucking omen! Mind your language, boys. Not in here, thank you. The redhead had spoken, with authority. She looked like she'd beaten up a few men in her time. Kells, with his back to her and facing us, protested in a way that only he could. Shut up, you fucking bitch. What did you just say? Kells was grinning at us, and then immediately turned his face to a scowl, tutted and turned round. What? Didn't say nothing. Chill out, it? He turned back to us and grinned again. Kells was a liability, but I was kind of glad he was here. We were far away from home, so it was good to have someone in our ranks who weren't afraid to mix it. Even it meant him doing stupid shit like that. Redhead took the L. I don't want any lip from any of you boys when you go in there. If you mess about, you're out, understand? A few yeah, yeah, yes. emerged half-heartedly from the group. We need to get you signed up and then have your safety briefed in. You're in the next game, there'll be some others in there with you. A safety briefing. This was just getting better and better. I thought for a sec about some of those mugs from my class, like Chris and Ramo, probably at the ABC cinema, back in Crawley. Pussies, they weren't man enough for this shit. We all bowled up to the counter, paid up and registered. Whilst I was in the queue, I looked up at the screen and noticed some new names had appeared, with a score of zero. These must have been the other players. There were names like Dark Lord, Excalibur and Cobalt 3000. These names are sick. I then saw Tony's mum and Fish Fingers had a beard on the screen and Clock Granger and Kells were at the front adding their esteemed aliases to the cannon. Redhead didn't look impressed but I guess she had to let these through on the technicality. I heard Kells arguing with her that mum was his surname. We stood outside these black double doors which had more of the sick, electric red front font on them. I could hear cheesy Eurotrance pumping through and the sounds of people running around. I was nervous, but I could barely contain my excitement. We got kitted out in these mad-looking, Ghostbuster-type packs that slotted over our heads with a holster for this massive laser gun thing. Redhead came over to administer her best war address. If you get shot, your pack will freeze, and you'll have to wait till it unfreezes. Aim in the game to get as many hits as you can, Three hits and you're out of the game. The other team you'll be facing are already in there and if you mess about, boys, you're out. Understand, I'm not taking any crap today. The moment we'd all been waiting for. Redhead opened the door. No dry ice seeped through. Where's the dry ice? The cheesy Euro trance was super loud and we entered into this sort of smallish, darkish room with these wooden walkways with some neon graffiti on them which sort of looked cool. We entered in and immediately ran off. Kells turning around to shoot us as many of us as he could. We were meant to be on the same team. The wooden walkways were really noisy, it was putting me off. It also weren't that dark so we could see everything. Where were the futuristic metal grids? With the futuristic dry ice, this just wasn't very cool. My pack suddenly vibrated and flashed red. I turned around to see this podgy mid-thirties looking guy with long greasy hair and hiking boots with a pack on. I assumed he worked there. I've been shot, mate. What do I do?" he shouted. Alpha 2-1, repeat. Alpha 2-1, let's go. He then turned around and rolled off into a corner, and I heard him tramping up one of the walkways. The fat prick had shot me. As he turned, I saw a Dark Lord written on the back of his T-shirt. That was the Dark Lord. He looked like he worked in the game's workshop. What are you doing, you dickhead? You're just standing there. Mo grabbed me, and suddenly we were under one of the wooden walkways. I noticed on the floor an empty Ribena carton, a few empty crisp packets, and a discarded copy of the Daily Express. I could hear Kells and Granger laughing somewhere in the room, but in truth it was hard to hear anything, as the cheesy Eurotrance was blasting so loud that with the stomping on the wood I could barely hear myself think. Fuck this, I thought. I stepped into the void, looking for that fat nerd, looking for revenge. Bang! I'm vibrating again I turn around to see another one of these socially awkward looking podgy older guys. Must have been Cobalt 3000. I hadn't even got my gun out of the holster yet. I'd been shot twice. Two more of I included the bus journey. Me and Mo ran up onto another platform where we bumped into Doyle. These pedos keep shooting everyone. I'm almost dead. VJ got taken out of him in five minutes. Where is he now? He's over there. I looked over in the direction Doyle was pointing and saw a VJ sat on an orange plastic chair, like we have in school, reading a copy of Shoot magazine. What? Surely they wouldn't have crap orange plastic chairs in the sick dystopian utopia future. The drapes were rapidly coming down on my lifelong dream, well, my dream from as far back as the morning when I actually thought a bit about what we were doing. This place was shit. Oi, how many lives you got left? I turned around to see Kells and Granger, grinning. One, not anymore. I vibrated. Game over. They ran off. I'd love to say into the smoky darkness, but I could see clearly where they were going and hear them too. This place was small and shit, reminding me of Hawley. I headed over to where VJ was. He was reading an article about Andy Cole's favourite type of pizza. Even with the cheesy Eurotrance at full blast, Redhead must have got on the PA system, booming over the music to tell us the game was finishing. That quick, I wanted to get out, predictably Andy Cole preferred a margarita, I had to agree with him on that one, but it was no substitute for the disappointment that I felt. We debriefed back in the foyer, looked up on the screen to see that Team Alpha Flight had whipped Team Crawley boys something ridiculous. A few of the Team Alpha Flight were debriefing in what they called the Antichamber with us and I heard them referring to each other in their code names. Really? Grow up, boys. We managed to find the McDonald's and at least enjoyed that. Spat some paper through the straws in the shopping centre, took in the glorious sights of Kingston and trudged back to the 405 with a hobbling VJ. He was never a bad boy. The others seemed to have enjoyed themselves and lots of the chat on the bus back was about the fun they'd had. Most reputation was still intact. Most of them had fallen asleep when the bus rolled into Hawley and I got up to get off. It was dark by this point, dark and dull, with the few half working street lamps pitifully attempting to illuminate Hawley's crap town centre. It was fitting. I looked at Mo. See you later, mate. Yeah, see you later, mate. I left the conversation, the bus, and the town centre, awkward as ever. It's Lager Time. Yay. Yay! Lager Time. Poems, stories and thoughts. By me, Paul Green. Who else?